Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, your source for curiosity-driven coverage of our city cultivated by the community. Taproot publishes weekly roundups on a variety of topics, including media, food, tech, health innovation, arts, music, regional news, business, and city council. Taproot's curators gather up the headlines and happenings on those files and deliver them to your inbox. You can get one or two for free. If you'd like more, become a Taproot member. You can get as many as you want, plus other perks for just $10 a month or $100 a year. Get informed right now at taprootedmonton.ca. So in chapter 11 of our novel... We had an earth-shattering kaboom. And then a not-so-earth-shattering Yeah, and then we had a successful boom and an unsuccessful boom. Yeah. Thompson engages in a very Owen-esque plan of non-stop Bavarian fire drills. Except sans Owen. Sans Owen. uh, And successfully blows up one storeroom of... The rogue agent's supplies and materiel. Yes. And then fails to do it again at what appears to be their headquarters. Yes. And is promptly captured by the end of the chapter. Yeah. That's it in a nutshell, really. Yeah. All right. And uh, that leads us directly into chapter 12 of The Municipalists by Seth Freed. So once again, Thompson awakens tied to a chair. I should have seen it coming. Yeah. Really should have. If your previous chapter ends with unconsciousness and bad guys, there's a really, really good chance your next chapter is going to open with consciousness regained, tied up. Well, yeah, especially because Thompson is our protagonist. So it's unlikely that the rogue agents are going to just kill him. Agreed. They're going to capture him, because otherwise the story will come to an abrupt end. True. And a very sad end, for that matter. Um, Some of the rogue agents in the room attempt to question him briefly in Esperanto, possibly thinking maybe that he's still one of theirs, or certainly assuming that maybe he understands them. Uh, He's, however, just too injured and concussed and wrung out to do much more than just throw up. Yeah, he's, he's been exploded twice in one day. He's not in good shape. No, well, he's been exploded like once and a half. Okay, fine, once and a half. But still, the point is, he's not in good shape. Yeah, Kirkland shows up moments later and is kind of initially angry at the rogue agents at Thompson's condition. He's like, how am I supposed to interrogate this guy if you've beaten him half to death? And the agents are legitimately like, we didn't touch him. He did this to himself. We we barely knocked him over upstairs. This is on him. Yeah. We found him like this. Kirkland is simultaneously enraged and impressed in this moment. Okay, so normally the trope when you're captured again by the big bad is they smack you around a little and, like, take out their anger on you. And that's not what happens at all. Somehow he's earned Kirkland's respect. Oh, thoroughly, thoroughly earned Kirkland's respect at this point. To the point where Kirkland... Like, he he quickly confirms that Thompson was indeed responsible for blowing up the quartermaster's office. Yes. 
then laughs about it and is like, let me get this straight. In order to try to save Metropolis, you leveled half a city block. And Thompson's like, yeah, I did that. And Kirkland is like, I badly misjudged you, sir, and I should have recruited you to my to my group. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm not even angry. No. I'm just impressed. Kind of just impressed. <laughs> and uh tells Thompson this there will be no torture this time. There will only be a quick death. Yeah. You you somehow earned this. Well, and I'm wondering if it's partly that he's earned the quick death, but also maybe he's just like I can't risk this guy getting yeah. away again. Not taking any chances with you in we, my slow James Bondy death machine. Yeah, there's like clearly Leaving you alive will just be a further liability. So we're going to take care of this. You must be dispatched quickly. And then unfortunately, they fail to dispatch him quickly. (laughs) Well, the plan is to dispatch him quickly when that time comes. But first, there needs to be... Theatrics. Yeah, theatrics and a rousing speech. And then, okay, so this is the part where, well, shortly, uh, Sarah Laurie is going to show up. Yes. So they wheel him... Out of the tiny interrogation room. Over to, like, a, a big mustering of the rogue yeah. agents. I, I imagine there's some sort of makeshift riser for yes. him to be on. All of Svem is on hand to witness okay. what is going on. And then Sarah shows up in what I can only describe as an outfit. A revolution chic? What is she... What? Uh, now, I'm going to posit that she hasn't really actually had a chance to change since the restaurant, because things have proceeded quickly since then. Have they, though? Yeah, they were rushed out of the restaurant, and their other base was scuttled because of Thompson escaping. And then they probably were on their way back to, like, Site B when suddenly the quartermaster's office exploded. So my guess is that she just hasn't had a chance to change into something less... Okay, so... Less ostentatious, something a little more comfortable. Here's the thing, though. So what she's wearing is her red dress from last night. Yep. Basically a, a flak jacket, right? Skull makeup. She's she's dressed for the revolution. I almost pictured her in a helmet, except I don't think they actually use the word helmet in... She is ready to be an executrice. So she has time to get into skull makeup, Yep. which is not fast. No. Trust well, me. I mean, she might have someone... I would be Even... I would be shocked if she didn't have someone helping her with her makeup. Okay. I'm no professional, but I do know a little bit about stage makeup. Okay. Skull makeup, like a full face skull makeup, even with a professional doing it for you, is not fast. Well, it's not like it's implying that she's made up with a perfect death's head. She has a white skull painted on her face. Even so. She wasn't made up to look like death from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. (laughs) The point I'm getting at is she's in skull makeup, a flak jacket, and a red evening dress. Yes, she is an interesting sight to behold. What is even happening? Well, what is happening is that she is launching into oratory. Yes. Now, Thompson notes that some of the bureaucrats are doing bureaucrat work. They're meticulously going through and seeing what of their inventory is left. That he did not explode or burn. Look, bureaucrats gonna bureaucrat. Yes, and we'll get into that in a minute. Um, Sarah Laurie, met up in her revolutionary chic, <laughs> ready to be executrice, God. goes into this spirited oration. and All in Esperanto. I will, and I will say that this means that we were kind of mistaken last chapter when we were positing that maybe some of the rogue agents kind of thought maybe she was just the boss's girlfriend. Uh. Because they are all paying attention to her. And it is, from Thompson's point of view, it is rapt attention. So 
yeah, legit, she's she's a propagandist, and she's very good at it. Yes. I'm pretty sure there are still a handful of them that are like, eh, the boss's girlfriend. Maybe. But in this moment, everyone is... She has the eyes of the room. Oh, no. I, I agree. She has... She is turned on her charisma, <laughs> and she has rolled a 20. Her charisma? Yeah. Just everyone in the room is eating up her words. Even Kirkland is just, like, rapt attention. And Thompson, of course, can't understand a word of it. But there's the implication that Sarah thinks that he does. She certainly addresses him later on directly in Esperanto. I think that it's because they still think he speaks Esperanto from the dinner. Right. When Owen was translating. Right. And he has no idea. They still, they're still completely oblivious about Owen's helping him. Actually, and I think his reply is, I have to go pee. Yeah, that's... The only thing he can remember in the moment from the Esperanto <laughs> he crammed earlier yeah, was essentially, like, I have to pee. One of one of two phrases he which, memorized. Which doesn't throw her off. And uh, she goes to execute him by shooting him in the chest. Okay. Can we pause here for a minute? Pause. She is willing to commit murder? Oh, straight like, murder. Yep. Like cold-blooded execution-style murder in front of a crowd. Oh, yeah. And uh, let's be fair. Her speech was clearly rousing. Yes, she is... Willing to get her hands dirty. She is all in. Kudos to she her. Is, she is a thousand percent in on this. I question her mental stability. Right. Well, yes. Uh, anyway, carrying on. Thompson tries to stall for time. Uh, he's legitimately like, if nothing else, maybe I can just like make a, a final impassioned plea and reach someone in this crowd that what's going on is just nuts well also he doesn't want to die he has a rifle pointed at him yes all he can really think of is just like just wait wait a second just give me a minute but then he's actually cut off by his own disembodied voice i saw something coming i didn't know what it was turns out it was this yeah and i mean we should have seen it coming because thompson back at the museum did specifically tell owen that he needed to say the terrible things he wanted to say about Kirkland to Kirkland's face and that it was up to Owen to make sure that it happened. Yeah. I don't even have to ask for a show of hands. I know that a lot of people read that were like, oh, that's going to come back to bite him. Well, it didn't come back to bite him, though. Well, it kind of did. In fact, in this moment, it makes the perfect distraction. <laughs> it, yes, distraction is the best word for it. Booming yes. through, like... Booming through all of the building's speakers, and with a hologram of Thompson looming over them, Thompson, the hologram of Thompson, launches into a sexually explicit tirade. <laughs> Drunken tirade. About Kirkland and what a jerk he is. Thompson at first is like, oh, this is them. Like, they hacked Owen. They know the terrible things I said about Kirkland, and they're just using it to fuel the fire. And then it slowly dawns on him that... Everyone is flabbergasted. Everyone's like, like, what is happening? Even Kirkland and Sarah Laurie in this moment are just dumbstruck. Like, what is happening? She's like, I was having a speech and now this is going on? Yeah. And what? Kirkland finally has the presence of mind to order someone to find the source of the transmission and shut it down. Sarah Laurie goes to finally finish off Thompson and that's when the FBI and the National Guard raid starts. Right? Okay, so I, for several paragraphs... Thought this was an illusion? Yeah, I wasn't sure if they were people or not. But then they start actually punching people and taking guns. Right? Someone actually disarms her, and I'm like, aha, real person. Yeah, no. <laughs> the cavalry has arrived. Yeah, for for real. Real, honest-to-goodness, flesh-and-blood people. And the transmission that was playing was a distraction until they could get in place. So, uh, Thompson's concern... The, mag the Magnificent Seven starts blaring <laughs> over the speakers. Which is 
actually really inappropriate if you think about it for a minute. Kind of. Um, well, I suppose on which side you're thinking of. Anyway, it's very heroic music, so it's clearly being played for the FBI and the National Guard. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so Thompson's earlier concern that this was just going to be one giant mess of of clashing departments uh, turns out to be wrong. They They managed to coordinate together after all. Well, at the very least, the National Guard and the FBI did. Yeah. Like, the military hadn't actually arrived on scene. We're not done the book yet. That's fair. We'll but, see what happens. But in in the short term, the FBI and the National Guard were able to get their ducks in a row enough to launch a raid on Kirkland's headquarters. Yeah. And they snatch up Kirkland. He's led away in handcuffs. Sarah Laurie is held down by several National Guardsmen okay. while she tries to fight and bite and kick and scream at I'm everyone. Gonna, I'm going to talk about this. So... Based on the fact that they found Kirkland in the crowd, mm -hmm. that means he was trying to run and hide. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think it was just a matter of the confusion of the moment. He got swept up in, in everything. Mm. And I mean, as he's led away, several of the rogue agents try to, like, cheer him on as a martyr. And then they all get arrested, too. Well, so. yeah. Also, basically, Sarah Laurie throws a temper tantrum. Kinda. How else would you describe it? Uh, this is a temper tantrum. Her, her physically resisting her oppressors to the last. Remember who her hero is. I know, but it's it, it's a tantrum. Now I've been it's saying a tantrum. I've been saying Boadicea. I've heard Bodica since. Oh, but I think that it works both ways. I legitimately don't know which is correct. Uh, I believe it works both ways. So I'm not incorrect, but there is perhaps a more uh, common pronunciation that I was not using, and I apologize if any of our readers noted that. Oh, so, oh, I hope no one was just angrily shouting at their podcast oh maybe so owen finally appears as we knew he was going to because this is clearly his work and gives thompson a good like pep talk like hey you know you did you did pretty good for a guy who cut me loose this is the most owen-y that owen has ever owned he does chide him for blowing up a city block exactly and then tries to make him feel bad that a bunch of firefighters died which did not happen which did not happen because owen uh, but he admits he was just pushing his buttons because he's still a little sore over having been ditched. Right. Um, and Thompson replies, that's cool beans. Uh, I'm dying here right now. A little help. And Owen's like, oh, and calls for medical help. Okay. So how exactly does this patch of Owen's work that he doesn't notice that Thompson is like well, the patch must, at death's door? The patch must, must just make him not notice that Thompson is particularly badly injured. Okay. An FBI lady shows up, and she's wearing the tie clip in her tactical helmet. Right. And she pulls it off and hands it to Thompson, and then tells Thompson to keep Owen out of trouble. Okay. She might not have, though. What do you mean? I don't know who she was addressing. It wasn't clear in oh, the book fair. who she was talking to. She could I have been don't know to if others. she's talking to Owen, and I don't know, or if she was talking to Henry. I don't know. I got the impression she was talking to Thompson because she's been working with Owen for a while and knows... The business he gets yeah. up to. But that's fair. Thompson did blow up a building. She yeah. might be telling Owen to keep him out of trouble. Right? That's reasonable. I don't I don't know who she's talking to. So at this juncture, I think it's fair for us to kind of break down the chain of events that we weren't privy to. Okay. Because we were following Thompson. Well, we can try. So Owen called the FBI. We knew about that before, though. But he called the FBI after he was ditched and told them where to find the tie clip. He must have. And because he would know where it is, because well, yeah, he he's got built-in GPS. Yeah, yeah. So he was just like, "Hey, I'm stashed behind a fire extinguisher in the tunnels. Come and get me, and I'll help you find Kirkland. I'm the one who gave you the anonymous information about where his headquarters were before." And they're like, "Cool beans, 
go and pick him up. He assists them in finding the rest of Kirkland's crew. And it's interesting to me that the National Guard, FBI, Owen team up did exactly what Thompson did, just from a different angle. Yes. Which is Thompson located Kirkland because he was like, I can trace where the suits were going. And meantime, the the cavalry were like, I bet you we could trace where the guns were coming from. Yeah. And they found his arms dealer, shook him down, and got pointed at basically the same locations that Thompson was pointed yep. at. And then Thompson um, blew up one of them, so yeah. they're like, sweet, we're going to go to the other one. And it just amuses me that Owen and Thompson hit upon the same plan. Yeah. Just two different uh, pieces of information. Yeah, And it also amuses me that at the end of the day, Kirkland created an effective revolutionary cell by weaponizing bureaucracy and then was undone by that bureaucracy. Yeah. Because what got him caught? His paper trail. Yep. Because the good bureaucrat that he is, <laughs> he was keeping meticulous records. Of course he was. And that is what ultimately brought him down. Yep, because they could find him. <laughs> and that's perfect. It's perfect. It is. For all of his planning, for all of his contingencies, Kirkland was so meticulous yep. that he left a huge paper trail. And someone was just finally like, what if we just traced where all this stuff was going? Yep. Yeah, there it is. He, all right. That's exactly where they are. Perfect. Hmm. Could not be more perfect. I wonder if maybe he wasn't assuming that he was moving faster than the paper trail. Or that he had left too much paper trail. Or, yeah, or that nobody cares about the paper trail. Yeah, certainly. Who would think to follow up with the tailor? Right. The one guy who loves his suit. Yeah. The, who happens to be the guy who was sent after The him. guy who will out-bureaucrat the super-bureaucrat. Yeah, I, like, I can understand him assuming that the arms dealer might not give up the goods if he's been paid well enough. No. Uh, but then he gets shaken down by the National Guard and the FBI. Right. Uh, but but the, tailor? the tailor? Right. Like, who is going to follow up with the tailor? Yeah. Thompson is going to follow up with the tailor. of course. Because Thompson's the one guy who'd be like, oh, he went and got the same suits that we get at us, miss. So I'll just call the tailor. Yeah. Perfect. He also clearly likes the suits. Perfect. Just not the color. Well, you need to differentiate the color because well, yeah. we're in a revolution. Yeah. So after that actual lull, <laughs> uh, Thompson lapses in and out of consciousness as he's loaded into a helicopter for medevac. Right. And Owen's like, oh, oh, we need to get you. We need to get you an ambulance. You are. Yeah. You're in rough shape. And Owen stays with him the whole way okay. to comfort him because he, he's his friend. Right. Pretending to hold his hand. It's very nice. And Thompson, to his credit, tells Owen, pour yourself a drink. Buddy. Yeah. You've, you've earned it's it. very sweet. I have this great image of Owen sitting there, uh, quote unquote, holding Henry's hand while EMTs just rush through him. Yeah. Because he's I kind light. of I kind of got the image of him being like hoisted up by a helicopter on like one of those beds, mm -hmm. and Owen is still just like kneeling next to him in, <laughs> in midair, floating. That's kind of what I was picturing. <laughs> That's a good image. I like that. But um, who's to say? Who's to say? We'd yeah. have to see in the film version. Yes. So, and that's pretty much the end of chapter twelve. It goes by pretty fast. Yeah. Lots. It was. It was a really short chapter, and just like that, revolution over. Kinda. Well, I mean, let's be fair. Kirkland probably still has agents who haven't been swept up. Possibly. But for the most part, their revolution is certainly stymied. Yeah. The majority of his army, I suppose you could call them, have been taken into custody. And and Kirkland and Sarah Laurie in particular have been taken into custody. Yeah. So. His, his forces have been greatly reduced. Quite so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, revolution has been, at the very least, indefinitely postponed. Yes. There's some red tape for him to get through now. Yeah. 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 
So, uh, yeah. And there we go. That's that's where it stops. Yeah. A couple chapters left to go. Yeah. So for those of you who are just joining us for the first time in this particular novel. <laughs> oh, you're probably very confused. <laughs> well, no, they've probably been following along. But if you've never listened to us on any of our previous novels, uh, you might not know how the order of events goes leading into the end of a novel. So just to catch you up, what we do is we read the final few chapters, and then the next episode after the last chapter, we do full book club mode. Yep. We, we go do, We go full on book club. Yep. We do a full analysis of the entire text from start to finish now that we've seen the whole thing, and we do a, a big book club episode, and then we announce what our next novel is going to be. Yes. And basically, we start that novel the next yeah, week. Yeah, and so. we start again. So yeah. Uh, we recommend the... snacks and wine like a good book club should. Oh, well, of course. A little cheese. Yeah. Some, we're some we're not going to make smacking noises into the microphones. We recommend you get snacks and wine. But you, Yes. Correct. The booze of your choice, really, but wines and book clubs go well together. <laughs> but yes. It's good pairing. Indeed. And um, for those of you paying attention to us on social media, and we'll get into that in a minute, we will put out a poll, like we did with this novel, uh, before we wrap up, so that we can get some votes in for what next genre of novel we should uh, pick. Please pick something different. We've kind of done two sci-fi novels back to back. Yeah. So maybe maybe don't even put sci-fi on the poll. Uh, and, we've done it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what we, just, we, we come up with. We'll, we'll have a couple options there for you. Uh, we'll, break. we'll have some ideas. We haven't done a horror novel since the first novel. That's true. Like comedy horror. Yeah. Comedy supernatural I don't want to do like a horror horror though. Uh, we wouldn't read anything too particularly disturbing because of course this is a family podcast. Yeah. Family also, friendly. I don't like horror. Uh, you liked meddling kids. Yeah, but that's different. Okay. That's, it's not like pure deep like try to scare you horror. It Fair was enough. just sort of creepy. And look, I haven't been able to break out the Lovecraft box in several novels. Oh, I see how it is. Okay. You you just went back into the Lovecraft box. Oh, yeah. The accusing <laughs> we only opened up the accusing parlor in this novel briefly. Well, that's true. We need to we need to find some more regular segment drops to throw in. <laughs> we we come across them as we come across them. <laughs> At any rate, you're going to want to read up on chapter 13 in time for next week. Yes. And in the meantime, um, you might want to check out some of the other podcasts here on the Alberta Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Chris Chang and Phillips. I host a show called Let's Find Out, where we try to have fun learning about history here in Edmonton. We investigate local myths. Because I think the bridge is so iconic, the fact that they've kind of gone up unrecognized. It's a little bit sad. We do taste tests. It's such a good color. Cheers. And right now we're doing a whole season about how humans and nature have shaped each other here in Edmonton. Grizzly bears used to be largely a prairie species as well. Find us at letsfindoutpodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Let's find out. It's one It's one I listen to. I really like it because um, it's a nice little piece of local history for me. A whole bunch of stuff I don't know. Yeah. If you're uh, local to Edmonton, I mean, kind of Alberta, I suppose. Uh, that's definitely one worth checking out. If you're not, and you're one of our many international listeners or far-flung Canadian listeners, um, there's plenty of other stuff on the Alberta Podcast Network. Don't let the fact that it's situated in Alberta uh, dissuade you from checking out some of the amazing content. Some yeah. of it is really fantastic. It's not all. It's not all. It's not all hyperlocal. It's not all regional. Yeah, there's exactly. definitely something there. You can check them all out on the CKUA app or right now on the website, albertapodcastnetwork.com. Yeah. Or really, wherever you go out and catch pod. Yeah. Most of them are available on most 
uh, apps. While you're there, you might also consider giving us a little rating and a review. That'd be nice. Very appreciated. It definitely helps us out. Feedback, good. And uh, you can also find us on social media. Yes. The Standard Collection, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we're special, so we're in Goodreads. Yeah, we're at the read-along at most of the above. Yeah. Uh, If that doesn't give you enough characters, uh, you can send us an email. Yeah, we're thereadalong at gmail.com, all one word. Yep. Super easy. And with that said, as always, we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on goodreads.com. <laughs>